Welcome to the Brand Ambassadors, your wide-angle look at the field of PR and what it means for your company. Your host is Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield. Every firm has a compelling narrative that sets them apart from the crowd. In your company, you can use your own background and storytelling to your advantage as well as that of your business. Now, here are your hosts, Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield. Good morning. This is Merritt Hamilton Allen, and welcome to our latest episode of The Brand Ambassadors. Now, this being November 10th, uh, I do have to make a couple notes. This is uh, the public holiday for Veterans Day, uh, and as a veteran and with a lot of veterans in my family, uh, I want to acknowledge that. And also, it is the Marine Corps birthday, and I'm the daughter of a Marine, and my co-host uh, today is also the daughter of a Marine. Indeed. I'm really pleased uh, Jared Hamilton is joining me. She is a career marketing executive. She's worked in newspaper and radio and actually happened to get me my first job in radio. That's because she's my sister. Hi, Jared. Hello, Merritt. <laughs> Someone had to do it. So we're talking, uh, we are in our uh, second episode on crisis communications, and um, uh, our last episode we spoke uh, really about uh, organizational level things, uh, layoffs, what, whatever it may be. And uh, today we're really getting into the nitty gritty of crisis communications when there's a disaster, when communications may be cut out, when um, uh, lives are at stake, uh, when safety is a concern. And I'm so pleased our first guest with us uh, today, I've known for years, uh, Tim O'Leary. He's been with Whit O'Brien's uh, for over a decade before that with Shell Oil, before that with the Navy, uh, because there's always a Navy tie on the brand ambassadors. Uh, and what, I, what I'm really excited to talk with uh, Tim about, I think we all remember uh, the Deepwater Horizon incident. That was in April 2010, the explosion, sinking of the Deepwater Horizon oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico. 11 people were killed, and the pipe uh, leaked oil and gas on the ocean floor for 87 days. And so by the time the well was capped, uh, about 3.19 million barrels of oil had leaked into the Gulf. Um, I think we all remember that uh, very fresh as a um, uh, a local uh, disaster uh, for us. And Tim, I want to ask, uh, you're based in Houston. How fast did you have to mobilize to get closer to the incident site? Uh, I got down there the next day. Uh, we got we got notified by our uh, by our client, and off we went. And uh, was down there uh, getting stuff organized by, uh, I think it was Saturday that I got down there. Maybe it was Friday. Yeah. Um, it, was, uh, it was quite the effort. It was uh, quite a number. It was a spill of national significance, which is a, which is a technical term, which, which it means in government speak, this is a big one. And you're right, those are staggering statistics. We also had some other statistics. We had, um, we had a unified area command. The main office was, was in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, that was set up with, with the Coast Guards and all the agencies and uh, members of the uh, team supporting the responsible party, which is an open 90 term. Uh, that's who, that's what he was. Uh, we had um, main command posts, Unified Area Command in New Orleans. We had command posts in, in uh, Houma, Louisiana. 
I was at the Mobile Incident Command Post where there were there were several thousand people there. Uh, these were these were little back of the trailer things. These were we took over the uh, Mobile Convention Center, uh, Miami and Galveston. Uh, we had uh, well, well in the first hours. Um, pardon me. Um, I just wanted to ask in those first hours, um, what was your focus on messaging? Uh, well, I, I guess it was it was just you know the the focus was on getting organized, and uh, I think you have to go back and look at what what BP said in those initial hours, and it was all very factual. Um, all of the all of the statements coming you know from the very beginning were indeed fact based, and. Um, once once we got into the swing of things, and was it a challenge staying on top? Was it a challenge staying on top of correct information with social media and all sorts of other reports coming out? Was it hard to filter that through? Well, you know, this was this was uh, you know a few years ago, and uh, social media was not in its full blossom like we have it now. Uh, so we were we were mostly doing uh, inquiries. We had websites using. Uh, the ability to onboard thousands of inquiries. Uh, we had over 61,000 discrete inquiries came in during the response, which were all uh, answered. We had 150 million plus website hits. 200, we had 25 million plus emails sent out. Created 10,000 documents. I transferred over seven, uh, 7.18 terabytes of data. So it was just getting the housekeeping set up, but everybody involved, and this is, I think, the most important thing to think about in this, this kind of scenario, everybody involved in there, this wasn't their first rodeo. We had all more or less practiced together throughout the year doing exercises and, and uh, drills. So when the real thing happened, uh, we, we, we rolled in, uh, rolled up our sleeves and got to work as a unit. I think that's a key point because what O'Brien's isn't just a crisis communication firm. It's a crisis management firm. We do crisis management. We are. Yeah. We provide. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Okay. We provide spill management teams. So under Open 90, you're required to have certain preparation uh, and be able to uh, field the team, and that's what we do. So we're an emergency response company. Uh, we are in a PR firm, and uh, we work with, with a lot of the communicators from our embedded with our clients. But it's all about planning, and it's all about preparation. Uh, you know, the old, the old saw, the time to make friends is when you don't need them. That really comes home to roost when you go through a spill of national significance. Or a airplane crash like I have, Egypt Air 990, um, or any of the other myriad challenges that we have. You know, it's easier to uh, it's easier to get through the day if you work with these people before. It's easier to get through your day if you worked with the local community who maybe your operations are affecting. Well, I, I have a question. This is Jared, and I was just wondering, uh, your protocols, I take it, you put in place. So if this type of a disaster happens, this is how we're going to 
communicate to coordinate the response. What do you do if a satellite's knocked out? I mean, 40 years ago, that wouldn't have been a problem. But now, that's how most of our communication is transmitted. Do you have a plan for something like that? What would you do? Or if satellites go out? Well, we, right. we're, mostly dependent on, we're mostly dependent on mobile phones. We all get together and, and work in, in the incident command post. Um, that's an interesting question because as, as we get more as we get more ornate in our response, um, you know, you've, you've got the added uh, possibility and probability of, 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 a, uh, of a technical crash, I guess. But we just, we just practice. I mean, you know, um, at the end of the day, if, if, if you can't, if you don't have a website, for example, because you, you your broadband goes down in, in the command post, which happens, media are still going to keep calling. They, they just call into your phone number. Uh, you have your uh, media query sheet. You fill it out by, by hand. You hand it to an action officer to uh, answer, and off you go. So the tried and true the old methods, uh, old technology is still there, and it's, and, and it's still... Practice because sometimes stuff doesn't. That's good to know. Well, uh, when uh, was there a uh, when we talk about uh, the Deepwater Horizon? Was there a worst day, and what was that like? Uh, I think you know that the worst day was probably the first day when we had you know just. Reacting to this, to the platform catching on fire, it was sinking, and uh, loss of life. I mean, that's that's a pretty low point to start from. Right, right. And so, by you know the nature of that, and you, I understand you do uh, much of your work is involved in training and planning and preparation. But something that I think is true for all PR practitioners is when something. Uh, really goes down. There's an, adre- an adrenaline rush. Uh, is it exciting? Was it validating? Well, it concentrates the mind, as as they say. I mean, you know, when you get the call, and I just had a call like that a few weeks ago for for a client who had a uh, led a platform in Lake Pontchartrain um, catch on fire. They had a fatality from that, and you know, you, you get a call eleven thirty at night on a Sunday night saying we need to be in New Orleans very first thing on Monday morning. Um, you know, you get organized pretty quick, you get your awake, get you know, freshened up and off you go. Yeah, I mean the when I think of um, just kind of uh, being down in it and uh, the media landscape is changing constantly because there are other, of course, other stories that are impacting the coverage of your story. And uh, I, 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 I'll use the word wallow as a PR practitioner uh, when we hit our rhythm uh, responding to a crisis. I, I, I kind of wallow in it. I roll around in it. I love it. You know, the old military phrase, I love how much this sucks. Uh, it's it's an exciting field. Yeah, uh, uh, but you know, you, 
a lot of, of the, uh, you have to be, be careful because a lot of um, a lot of the responses that we do involve fatalities and they involve you know uh, incidents that threaten the life of the company. So you you come in right. and you're, you you come in and you're, you're real sober about it. You know you really concentrate on and you take a real professional view of it and, and you just. Um, you know, because you may end up being the spokesperson for for the event, or you just may be a person behind the scenes. Right. And uh, I think you know things. We were talking in a previous episode about uh, situations like a lawsuit, or announcing layoffs, or third quarter results aren't as good. And those those are genuine crises, but lives aren't at stake. And I think um, once you have to, when you have to focus on how uh, you know the, the safety issues, safety for media correspondents, uh, it, it does uh, it does change uh, the tone a bit. And I think the media get a lot more serious about it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. The media, you know, they're used to this kind of re, you know this kind of event. Uh, they respond. Uh, you know, you get with the media on a quiet time. You sit down and you start telling war stories. You know, were you here? Were you there? Oh, I was there, and I did this. I did that. Oh, I think I remember you. I mean, you, you have that, and uh, and I think for me that's that's kind of satisfying to, to get in there and sit down and talk with the media in a quiet, quiet moment, and, and right, because you're absolutely you're absolutely partners. You're, you're absolutely partners. And I'm very excited. Uh, we're coming up on break now, but we're going to have Dr. and Admiral Bill McDaniel joining us after the break to talk about the Indonesian tsunami. Stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin, good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You 
are listening to The Brand Ambassadors. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello, we're, this is Jared Hamilton, back with the Brand Ambassadors. And we're talking to Tim O'Leary, the Director of Crisis Communication, uh, uh, Wet O'Brien. And uh, we now have with us Bill McDaniel, who is a physician, an orthopedist, and a retired rear admiral. He was in charge of the medical operations in the aftermath of the Indonesian tsunami. And most importantly, he was Merritt's boss at NMC Portsmouth. Because the brand ambassadors is all about networking. There you go. Or you might call it nepotism. <laughs> Any way you look at it, it works for me and my sister. <laughs> So I'm very interested in the uh, tsunami. I remember well, we all remember when the tsunami in Indonesia. And perhaps, uh, Bill, you could tell us a little bit about what the particular nightmares were with that, with uh, running communication during that crisis. Well, yeah, there were a lot of, I mean, to make it real simple, communications, effective communications in country and between the shore and the ship were effectively non-existent. Uh, uh, the, the, the most of the cell phone structures were down. None of the U.S. cell phones worked. None of the satellite phones worked for some reason. We tried to set up a dedicated surface, a, a service between the shore and the ship, and that didn't work. Uh, and this was the it, hospital ship Mercy, correct? Yes, that's right. I, I, and actually, I think probably. A, Hands down, the smartest move that's made out there was when Syncpac Fleet at that time, who was Walt Doran, uh, with uh, the advice of Tom Fargo, who was who was Paycom four star, he called me and told me to fly out there, and I flew out there shortly after the tsunami and sat down with him. And, and but you're not you weren't in the Navy anymore. You're retired. They called you out of retirement to do this, right? Well, yeah, and it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, I. And they just called and asked if I'd be interested. Well, hell yes, I'd be interested. And so I sat with Admiral Duran for an hour as we discussed what was going on out there, the, the magnitude of the disaster. He had a three-star uh, Marine general in charge over all of the U.S. response out there. And as, as I and, and and basically he said, uh, Bill, I'm not quite sure what your job is, uh, but he said uh, I want you to pick a team, pick out whoever, however many you want, and go out there and start paving the way for Mercy to come because the president had, had, had told Mercy to leave on about the 28th of December, but it was going to be uh, it was going to be five weeks before it got there. And he said, hey, I need you to make this happen. And as I started to leave, he called me back in and he said, let me, he said, let me, let me try to simplify this. We have a line officer and a bunch of line officers running what is essentially a medical relief mission with poor communications and he said, I can see so many ways this thing could go wrong that uh, it scares me. So he said, let me try to make it real simple. You're in charge for this, of the success of this mission, period. You report directly to me and nobody else, period. And I will give you all the backing you need to get the job done. Now, that didn't put me in charge of uh, certainly not of the three-star or anybody else out there, but it did give me an entry at all levels 
that was sort of in parallel, frankly, in anything we've done in the past. Uh, I got out there and realized initially the, the comms were horrible. I mean, uh, nobody knew for sure if the emergency was coming. And so what I did was took my team of five other people, and each one of them had their little specialties that we were involved in, and simply in first in Jakarta and then in Banda Aceh visited every interested party and explained to them what the ship was, explained to them the capabilities. This is all the governmental agencies, both uh, the the regular government and the health, health administration government. This was all the UN agencies. This is all the tent hospitals and all the NGOs. And to each one of them, I had to overcome an initial why the hell weren't you here yesterday kind of response, and we don't really need you here because we have, uh, you know, we've already got things set up. Well, they had 10 hospitals running on generators and the high humidity. All of their equipment was broken down. And so I said, well, at the very least, I can bring a lot of people in and repair all your equipment. Well, that, they said, well, that sounds good. Why don't you go ahead and do that? So it, that turned out to be that face-to-face contact was incredibly important and I think uh, enabled the entire mission to go on the, the way it did, which, which was very successfully. But then you find out, and, and uh, Tim, I know you had the same experience, I'm sure. It is amazing how much misinformation and disinformation occurs every day. Yeah. You're, in a, you're in a horrible situation of, uh, in Banda Aceh, uh, somewhere around 250,000 people dead in Indonesia alone. Communications are horrible. Everybody is wanting to get help. And every time I would go visit one of these interested parties, they would have a different story they had heard about who would see, who wouldn't see, how could how could you access this, et cetera, et cetera. And I found out that probably the most valuable part of communication for the entire two and a half months I was there was simply revisiting all of the interested parties literally at least three times a week. Stick my head in every time I did that. I had to I had to quell another erroneous assumption or story or rumor or something. Uh, and I think of all the That's things, very different from media relations. Do what? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's different than media relations, but absolutely oh. vital when we talk about outreach and communications. Yep. And, and you, guys did a, you guys did a good job wrapping up your identity of all your stakeholder groups, which is really important because you just can't talk to the media. You've got to talk to everybody else. Let me, I, Admiral, I have a question. Uh, do you think any lessons learned survived from those days and to manifest themselves in current Puerto Rico? Well, uh, you know, it, I can't say no because I don't know everything about going, what's going on in Puerto Rico. I have been in contact with Force Phase on the Surgeon General. I've found Roberto Gonzalez, who's a senior guy over there. He and I talk a lot. But unfortunately, no, I don't think a lot of the communication, as, I, as I've said, I, I think the most effective thing that Walt Durand foresaw was putting somebody out there who may touch, who touched base with everybody frequently and just to keep things quelled down and then reported directly to him. And uh, I didn't necessarily have the authority to overturn some of the decisions higher authority made. And that's the other side of the coin, by the way. We had a one-star in his staff in Singapore, a three-star in his staff in Yokosuka, and a four-star in his staff in, in Hawaii, and then really interested parties in Washington, all of who wanted to help stir the pot. 
Well, that's fine. But you and I both know that when you're from three to 10,000 miles away, sometimes you're starting at the wrong direction. And uh, they needed somebody on the ground who Walt Duran could listen to and say, okay, we're not going to do that. And so that's exactly what he did. But when I looked at what happened later, what happened to Katrina, and then what happened in Haiti, and now what's happened in Puerto Rico, we didn't do that. Uh, as I got rid of, as, as Dana Van Alphen, who was the senior World Health Organization person there, and uh, it started to leave. When I had walked into her office when I arrived, she was very disdainful, saying, we do not need the military here. As she got ready to leave, was slightly before I did, when I went into her office, she grabbed me, hugged me, and was crying. And she said, Bill, I can't believe I ever said that. She said, the collaboration we've had here and and the phenomenal use of mercy and uh, it's, it's just been unparalleled. And she said, I'm so glad to see we've evolved into this. Along came Katrina, and you may remember, we, we wandered around out in the Gulf for quite a while trying to figure out where the hell we were going to be allowed to go into. Finally went into Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, tried to set up a clinic there, and the uh, clinic was shut down after about 48 hours or less because a local Mississippi official came back and said, if you don't have a Mississippi license, you can't practice here. And I, I actually yeah. called and chatted with the admiral in charge and said, don't we have anybody on the ground doing the groundwork? And she said, yeah, we have our, our, one of our Southcom surgeons down there, and he's in charge. Well, the problem is he wasn't. He wasn't in charge of anything. He was basically reaching out to the media, and that's it. He needed to go out and tell the police. But I saw that happen in Haiti. I got an anguish note from Dana Van Offen uh, in Haiti, and she said, Bill, we see this beautiful ship sitting out at the end of the pier. We can't access it. None of us know what the rules are. She said, I'm the senior WHO person here, and I can't get an appointment on there. I sent that on to the CNO and the Surgeon General and said, guys, surely we can do better than this. Uh... So, no, I don't think a lot of the lessons learned were carried over. I really don't. Uh, I do think we're doing things better as we, as we do the uh, humanitarian assist visits around the country. We do send advanced teams in now. They do go visit all the parties. But humanitarian assist and disaster relief, as we all know, are totally different animals. Uh, humanitarian assist is under controlled environments. You have good communications. You know where you're, you know, you know everything. Disaster relief, nothing's controlled. And so, no, in my experience, we have not done well with the lessons learned. It just haven't. Well, that is interesting, and I think it's interesting. It would be interesting to hear from Tim um, exactly how protocol and um, preparation might help in some of these crises. Because I know Bill's right. Lessons learned, everything's different, So, and we forget pretty quickly. That's where I believe the planning makes a big difference. It's your organization, too. You're right. Um, you know, planning, you got to plan. But in the United States, when we have these responses, they're, they're under the rubric of the incident command system. That's Absolutely. The that's the that's structure that we all practice at. So when I said before, when you show up at, at the at when the, the uh, boom goes up, we show up the big game or whatever other metaphor you want to get. Um, you know, you, you, we we've seen these same people from the state agencies before it exercises, and or from some of the federal agencies, certainly with the Coast Guard. Uh, so it's important that everybody have incident command system training that you. you know what's expected, you know what the limits are, 
you know where the resources are. You need to know how to and access them. And we want to talk more about that, but we're coming up toward break, and we'll uh, be back very soon. We're talking to um, Bill McDaniel, uh, retired Rear Admiral, and uh, Tim O'Leary, uh, the Director and Crisis Communication at Wet O'Brien. And we'll be back after this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Merritt Hamilton-Allen with my co-host, Jared Hamilton, and we're talking with Bill McDaniel and Tim O'Leary about uh, crises that hit on a global level. And one thing that Tim and I had talked about earlier that I loved is really managing uh, the narrative. And Tim, you've got a great example on how a narrative can go, go wrong just in TV Guide. Yeah, so I got a couple of clips here. I found, found they got this thing called the Internet. Wonderful things on there. And uh, one of them is uh, this, this sort of uh, old news uh, TV uh, listing. And it says, The Wizard of Oz, 8 to 10 p.m. TCM. Transported to a surreal landscape, a young girl kills the first person she meets and then teams up with three strangers to kill again. Of course, that's... <laughs> That's the Wicked Witch of the East that was her demise, but she also took care of the Wicked Witch of the West and not mention until numbers of flying monkeys. Then there's and stole one. her shoes. Yeah. <laughs> there's one of a uh, studio shot of Judy Garland and, and uh, for the costume. 
It says, mugshot of runaway girl who killed an elderly woman and stole her shoes, claiming it was an accident, 1939. So, you know, this all all fits the facts. It fits the fact pattern, but it's not what happened. Or, Or is it? So... Well, and I think in a crisis, it's really hard to figure out what the facts are. And I think um, we're seeing that if you want to talk a little bit about uh, a stateside situation in Puerto Rico. Yeah, it's not it's not just Puerto Rico. It's it's, you know, it's on everyone's computer and smartphone. This whole thing with what what uh, what uh, fake news is. And that's just. We're just starting to get our minds around that. So, you know, you've got the, just the, 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 the normal bump and grind of getting cons up where, you know, in a, in a rough environment. Then you've got this other overt uh, uh, environment where it's, it's can you trust what's, what's, what you read? Can you trust what you hear? You have to have that conversation. Right, right. So in the situation where traditional communications are wiped out, people who still have cell phone battery are tweeting, and where they're getting their information from, we have no control of. And that that is very hard to stay on top of. Yeah, and it's, it, 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 in my kind of business, the challenge is trying to keep up with it. You know, you want to verify facts. You want to let the media know what's going on. Well, you also have, this, if you have an incident where you have injuries or fatalities involved, um, you know, you have a protocol, you know, to work with the sheriff's department or the, the county or the state or whoever is the release authority for that. Uh, knowing at the same time the family members of the of the affected vessel or, or platform um, are talking to themselves with each other via their social media, and um, you know, it's just hard, very hard to keep up with that. So you. You have to have protocols established. You have to keep your eye on what's really important out there. And also during the break, we talked, we chatted a little bit about um, international, uh, uh, you know, the, the freedom of operation and in international uh, crises, as opposed to the very rigorous emergency management protocols we have in the U.S. Bill, do you want to talk about that? Well, yeah, I, I think it's so much easier to work, uh, frankly, uh, in, in a disaster response overseas. Uh, even though my job there was to, to make, was to communicate with all of, the, all of the involved parties, there was one two-star general there named Bang Bang, who ultimately actually became president of Indonesia, who was the only person that I needed to say to me, go ahead and do it. That gave me permission to get everything done, and uh, and from then it was just working out the details with all the parties and, and clearing up mis- uh, the misinformation. But as as we all know, uh, what happened down in New Orleans after Katrina uh, and in Biloxi was that uh, we had, for instance, the Comfort down there trying to find some place to go initially. When they went into Mississippi and tried to set up clinics out in town, uh, they were stopped by uh, local officials saying, if you don't have a Mississippi uh, medical license, you can't practice here. And, 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 and here, I think rightly so, states' rights take precedent over federal. You know, they just do. Same thing's going on in Puerto Rico. Uh, we've all seen the horrible uh, 
stories about comfort sitting down there with very few patients and, uh, and nobody's going to board. Well, you got to feel sorry for the folks on comfort because they have 150 beds totally staffed up. They're waiting for people. They want patients. But it's, it's Puerto Rico and the Minister of Health there who sets the rules. And the initial rules he set up are way too restrictive uh, for freedom of movement and freedom, freedom of access. And so, you know, this is... We all know. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a two-headed coin, I guess. Uh, you really want states' rights always to take precedence over federal, and yet, in an emergency situation, that sure the devil is not the most efficient way to get things done. Uh, but I, I think it's always going to be that way, and we manage to work around it anyway. That's. Um uh, I think that's I think that's a very uh, a very fair point because uh, we had a, a partner who went down on a one man relief effort uh, uh, to Puerto Rico, and uh, uh, the fact that Puerto Rico had not uh, uh, issued an official request for relief uh, was a huge stumbling block in getting the whole American relief machine going. Absolutely, but. I don't know an answer to that. Uh, I think what we can do is understand every time, and and I, I think, Tim, anybody who's ever worked in emergency situations, there are two things that are, are going to go wrong every time. And the first one is communication. Communications never go right. They're never effective enough. And then logistics, getting things to and from, always go wrong. And as long as we recognize those things and we really put ourselves out there to quadruple, to quadruple back up both areas of communications and, and logistics, I think that's the best we can do. And, and, and we will overcome those other obstacles when they come up, because they're going to come up every time. Yeah. You talk about, Admiral, the, uh, the primacy of locals, and that's, that's, that's all wrapped up in, with the Stafford Act. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, from what I've seen, um, the with the Stafford Act uh, being engaged uh, with the recent hurricanes here um, down the Gulf Coast is um, things would be running a little bit smoother than it did during Deepwater Horizon. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm hopeful that we're going in the uh, right direction on that. But, you know, kind of getting back to the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about here is, um, you know, communications and working with the media and working with the stakeholders. I mean, there's just no substitution for, for you know, for you know, having a good old-fashioned press conference and yep. getting the word out. There's no substitution for, you know, getting your local stakeholders identified and engaged. And, you know, the rest of it is, you know, we'll all deal with it, but, you know, those are the sine qua known requirements of what you need to do. Yeah. And then... Uh, and then Tim, uh, Tim... Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just wanted to get Tim before we uh, get to the break. Um, we all also talked about just the very basic narrative that you should be focused on. Uh, and I, I love the anecdote you had for that. And if you could take us to the break with that, I think it would be great. Put me on the spot. You mean the, the Dorothy narrative? 
No, no. I mean uh, the the three word Latin uh, message, three step Latin message. Oh yeah. So the doctor, uh, I, I I would commend everybody listening to go check out Dr. Vince Cavello's work. He's at Columbia University. He's a uh, expert in in risk communications, and you know Dr. Cavello says, you know, look, there's uh, when when you're in a low trust environment, which is what we operate in a lot, um, people aren't going to want to listen to you just blather on. So you want to, you know, set things up and use 27 words for three messages delivered in nine seconds. And uh, so, for example, you know, the, the cla- and, and do message mapping where you, where you take an issue and you say, okay, we're going to develop some, some messages and facts around it. So, of course, the, the most famous one is, is what Caesar said. I came, I saw, I conquered. Meaning, yeah. weedy, witchy. And so, those are your key facts. I came, and then your keywords supporting the fact are the journey was long and hard. And then another supporting fact is we suffered heavy losses along the way. Despite the difficulties, we arrived safely. That's your key message one, and then key message two. I saw, and so forth, and so on, and I conquered. Um, Spend a little time and message map things that could, pro- could probably affect your organization. And, when, and then when something does happen, at least you've got that in your back pocket. It may not be complete, but it's, it's a start. But I highly commend uh, looking at Dr. Cabello's work. Right, right. And he's, very, very and he's certainly well known, uh, well known in the industry. But no, I, I just love the notion, uh, particularly with um, a true disaster. Um, uh, the Vini Vidi Vici uh, model is, you know, first responders, we're here. Okay, we're assessing everything we saw. Okay, everything's going to be okay. People are safe now. We conquered. I mean, and that's really, I think, uh, how you need to uh, structure your communications when you're in a first responder disaster, uh, disaster response, whether it's, you know, a, a metropolitan, uh, uh, you know, local city metropolitan or something of this this global scope. Uh, Tim, I thank you so much for joining us today. You know, you were one of the first people I talked to when we decided to do this show because I knew you had to be a guest and um, you absolutely didn't disappoint. Um, it, it's always been great talking and sharing ideas, uh, sharing ideas with you. And I just like to let everyone know if they're trying to find out more about um, Tim and his company, you can go to witobriens.com. All one word, W-I-T-T-O-B-R-I-E-N-S dot com. Tim, thanks so much. Thank you. All right. And we'll continue our conversation with Bill McDaniel after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin, good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima. 
Our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program and welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. We're talking right now with Bill McDaniel, who is a physician and a rear admiral. Um, he's was in charge of the medical operations in the aftermath of the Indonesian tsunami in 2004. And um, we were hoping he could give a little advice to communications executives. Or actually just executives having to face disaster communications because the PR people are going to have one perspective, but it's the executives who um, are having to follow up on the promises made by their spokespeople who are really at stake here. So, so, but what's your advice uh, for leaders and executives in these situations? After all, you've been there, Bill. I, I suppose it's the same advice I would give any CEO or any executive running a large organization, because that's basically what a, a disaster response is. That's a huge organization that you're running. And that is, accept the fact that you simply are getting only a picture of a small window of what's going on. There is a tremendous amount that you don't know and don't understand. And I guarantee there is miscommunication going out, out there in your name that you're unaware about. The only way you can stay on top of that is have as many feelers out there as you can get, uh, and and also you personally get out there and make the rounds, not just, don't call your board together and say, well, tell me what's going on, because frankly, they're about as isolated as you are. Uh, you need to get out there, you need to have all your senior folks that are working for you get out there, get down in the trenches, talk to folks, make rounds of the disaffected folks. I always tell folks I love to hear the compliments, but I have to hear the complaints. I've got to hear what you don't see, uh, uh, what is not going right for you, even if it puts us in a bad light, because that's the only way we can correct them. 
uh, also accept the fact, any CEO, is that when you get in an emergency situation like this, you're, you have horrible communications at best. And you can have all the right. press conferences you want, but the only people that you know hear those press conferences are the people in the room. You don't know how communications are. In Puerto Rico, only about a third of the country uh, was up on cell phone uh, service. Television was spotty at best. Uh, it, it, you have to assume that, in fact, the only audience you're directly getting here are those folks right in front of you. And and therefore, you've got to circumvent that. Uh, get inventive. Uh, and on Neos Island, uh, when the earthquake happened there, we went back in and spent a month there. Uh, some two Americans who were very inventive came in and set up on top of a collapsed bank, they set up a tower, and they established an Internet service there. Well, that wound up being what we all used. That was the only way I communicated with the ship was via Internet. And they had just because these guys had set it up, well, CEO, you be inventive. Set up that tower. You know, figure ways around the communications box. So I guess, I, I mean, that's, there's a lot of advice you can give. But my number one advice is you've got to assume you don't know what the hell is going on, no matter how many people come into your office and say, boss, everything's going great? It's not. It just isn't. And you need to get out there and see for yourself. So that's my best advice I could possibly give. That's, I think it's very good advice, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think also when you do that, um, it winds up being a very good public relations message because you're letting people know this is a lot more complicated and a bigger mess than we thought. So these are the things we found out we're going to address now. These are the things we're going to address later. And I think it um, actually helps your firm if you can communicate that to your firm and your PR department can run with that. Um, Because I don't know that people expect you to know all the answers the second anything hits but they expect you to competently get in there right away and clean it up, whatever it is. You can't communicate your way out of a hole if you don't have the operations, the ability to deliver on what you're promising. Exactly. That's exactly right. And you've got to, you, 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 you've got to have the answers, but way more important than the answers, and frankly, you've got to know what the questions are. Uh, you can't come up with an answer unless you know what the question is. Uh, as an example, and Mary, you remember this, Region 2 set up this uh, managed care model that, by the way, uh, the three of us got together and said, well, three services involved, why don't we call ourselves TRICARE? And that's how TRICARE, the name, came into being. But we set up this managed care model, which just confused hell out of everybody. And I found the most effective management strategy I could do there was with every avenue at, at, my, uh, at, at my fingertips, and Mary, you were certainly one of the valuable ones there, Find out what people are mad about and find out what people are complaining about. And then when I would go have these town hall meetings, which I had a lot of there, I would lead off oh, by yeah. saying, let me, here are things I hear, let me address those. And frankly, that diffused most meetings. Most meetings, uh, people came there ready to jump in my face over X, Y, and Z. And if I came up and said, here's, I understand X, Y, and Z are problems. Here's what we're trying to do to resolve them. It, it diffuses the situation a lot, and I'm sure you remember a lot of that. Oh, oh absolutely. And uh, really, um, the kind of classic public relations is using communication to change behavior. And the number one behavior we had to change was the idea of making an appointment 
for sick yep. call as opposed to yep. showing up at 8 a.m. and getting seen when you got seen. Jared, you remember that growing up, the okay. cattle calls. We're, we're, a milita- we're a military family. And uh, convincing people that they could get an appointment and it was better than just showing up. Uh, that that was a multi-month really? process. Yeah. Because I remember thinking if you weren't sick when you went to a base dispensary, when you got there, you would be when you left because you're with a whole <laughs> bunch of six people in a tiny room. And it's a cattle call. You just hope they get you before lunch or else it's another hour. Let me yeah. throw out one, yeah, of, exactly. one, of the, one other bit of advice here that I've just suddenly thought of, which I thought, when we, because TRICARE reminded me of that. When we started that down there, we hired Blue Cross Blue Shield. We had 110 people in a call center, and all calls had to go through them, and they had to make all the appointments. They had to do all the stuff. And I started getting tremendous complaints because uh, people would call in, and the answer they would get was, no, we can't do that, or no, we won't do that, or whatever. And so I finally called all the call center employees together, and I sat down with them, and I said, hey, we're going to make a simple rule. None of you has the authority to say no. You all have the authority to say yes. You've got to figure out how to get there, but you've got the authority to say yes. But if you have to say no, then it's got to come to either XO or me. Well, now I wanted to go to the XORME, and so they figured out how to say yes. And I think you've got to do that. You've got to enable your people to go out and find a solution. And, and uh, it, it's so much easier to say no. That gets it off your plate immediately. Yes is sometimes really tough. But if you somehow can enforce that, uh, Nordstrom's does that well. And some of the giant hotel chains do that well. They give janitors and everybody else a stipend to use to solve problems on the spot where they don't have to go to management to get a solution. And especially with a call center, that's your first line of contact with your client. And um, it ties in very much to the message of our show, which is those are your ambassadors. TRICARE Call Center, those are the ambassadors for TRICARE. So they'd better uh, be able to do something uh, better than say we can't do that or it'll be six months before you get an ortho consult. Um, no, that, that's, uh, I think that's uh, so true in, uh, in communication. And again, um, uh, your communication has to reflect what you're really doing. Uh, you, you can't uh, you can't tell somebody everything uh, everything's going to be fine. They'll get their appointment, and it turns out their appointment's going to be in six months, and their uh, uh, condition is going to exacerbate and perhaps threaten their life in that time. It, it's a it's a high stakes game there. Well, yep. thank you so much. I'd like to thank both of you, uh, Bill McDaniel, my, uh, my my favorite boss. And if you want to learn more about Bill, all you do you Google Bill McDaniel, Oklahoma State Wrestling, the Mole and Navy, and you'll find everything out you want to know about Bill McDaniel. <laughs> I'm glad to know oh, that, too. By the way, Mary, and, one, and, one thing. Yes. We screwed up, you and I. We made up the <laughs> name TRICARE. We marketed it. We used it. And about eight months later, I had the Assistant Secretary of Defense call me and say, okay, we're going worldwide with this uh, thing. And he said, I hope you weren't smart enough to copyright that name because we're taking your name, too. If we'd have just copyrighted that, we'd be rolling in gravy. <sighs> And, you know, I was married to a, I still am. I'm, I'm married to a lawyer. We could have fixed that. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, the residuals. Oh, no. Uh, Bill, thanks so much. And I have to thank my uh, guest co-host, uh, Jared Hamilton. And if, if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, it's not hard to get to Jared. So you can find her, too. She's pretty cool. And so for, for Bill, for Tim O'Leary, for Jared, uh, for me, uh, this is Merritt Allen, uh, the brand ambassadors. Thank you. And join us next week. 
you for tuning in this week to the Brand Ambassadors. Please join Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield for another edition next Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.